This episode is brought to you by PFL. So for instance, a lot of times B2B messaging will skip over not just the effects of their product or services. So we've got, you've got this great product. Here's what it will do for you. We spend a lot of time on those effects. Like, all right, it's great because it does X or Y. And we don't spend as much time on it's great. This is why it produces those things. Here's how we think about it, how we've built it so that it produces those effects. So not only do we not do that, we don't do it in a way that really helps people understand the difference between that approach and our competitors in the marketplace. The B2B Marketing Exchange was created with one goal in mind, to help B2B practitioners across marketing and sales be better at their jobs. Now we're bringing the insights from the stage to your ears. These are the tips and tools you need to succeed. This is the B2B Marketing Exchange Podcast. Hey there, everyone. Welcome to today's episode of the B2BMX podcast. I'm Claudia Tirico, your host, and I'm so excited to have a veteran of the podcast back for another chat. Tamson Webster, we love her so much. She is a professional idea whisperer and helps people find, build, and tell the stories of their ideas. We've had her on the podcast before. She's spoken at our B2BMX event in the past as well. We're huge fans, and I'm so excited to chat with her again today because she's actually launching a new book in just a short amount of time, on May 17th to be exact. It's called Find Your Red Thread, and it's packed with more than 20 years of Tamsin's brand and message strategy expertise. So during this conversation, we we get a sneak peek into the book, and I get the 411 on the top strategies B2B teams can implement right now to find their own red thread. Plus, so much more. We've got a great conversation ahead of you today, so let's get right into it. Tamsin, how are you today? Thank you so much for coming back to our podcast. I'm delighted to be back and thanks for having me and things are well. Thanks for asking. Awesome. I'm so excited to chat today because you have a new book coming out very, very soon. So I wanted to kind of dig deeper into it and then just really just catch up and and see what you've been up to. So before we begin and kick things off, maybe not everyone today has heard uh, you on our podcast from season one. So tell us a little bit about yourself, the red thread and how this big idea came into fruition. Just give our audience a little bit of background. Sure. Well, I think an accurate descriptor of me is that I spend my days as an English to English translator. And what I mean by that is that I help experts of all sorts translate their ideas so that anyone can understand them, act on them, and so that those ideas can have the impact that they deserve. I do that with something I've developed called the red thread. And a quick answer to what the red thread is, is that it is the story that our brains build to connect a question and an answer. That happens automatically and often pre-consciously. And when we are getting new information, say about a product or a service, our brain is trying to find that connection and make it in a way that makes it make sense. So the big idea behind my work and that's the big idea behind the book is that the best way to make your idea irresistible is to essentially pre-build that story so that you're giving people a story that they will end up telling themselves and ultimately other people about whatever you're talking to them about. So 
obviously more I could go into on any of that, but that's the quick version of it all. Awesome. I love it. So obviously we're talking about all things B2B today, and I'm, I'm sure in a way B2B obviously differs a lot from B2C. So specifically speaking about B2B, I'd love to kind of touch on pre-building that story. So what are some common mistakes that you find and how could B2B teams specifically find their red thread and really build upon it? I think the most common element that I see, and this is across all kinds of messaging, but I would say to some extent in B2B in particular is because so often B2B, so often, not always, but often B2B organizations tend to have, uh, they're very oftentimes science, technology, engineering driven, not always, but oftentimes that's the background because you're you're offering a piece of equipment or it's a software that's meant to really help like large organizations function well. So there's a big engineering component. And I think one of the biggest things that gets in the way of effective messaging, which is essentially what the Red Thread is designed to help you build, is that we get stuck in that expert point of view. And we end up getting to a point where we can only talk about our products and services in the language of fellow experts, and sometimes even only in the language of our own organizations. But if you believe, as I do, that a role of marketing, and particularly in B2B, is that of a translator, to translate the organization to your clients and customers and to translate what they want back to the organization so you can help with decisions then I don't think you've ever met a translator who can only speak one language. (laughs) And so I think one of the biggest mistakes is not learning how to speak the language, not just of your customers, but really of any customer. And it really turns out that with all the research that I've done, that there is one language that all of us speak, B2B, B2C, humans. I mean, as long as you're human, or close to it, it's the same language. And that's the language of story structure, not just once upon a time stories, but that story that our brains build that connects a question and answer or problem and solution or an issue and idea, it follows the structure of one of those once upon a time stories. So that leads me to the second big thing that I think that I see, or that I know that I see missing oftentimes in B2B messaging is that we skip straight from, oh, prospective client, you have this question, well, here's our answer. But that's not how the brains work. We can understand the answer, we can hear it, but we are not convinced of it. We don't agree with it until we hear the other pieces. So for instance, a lot of times B2B messaging will skip over not just the effects of their product or services. So we've got, you've got this great product, here's what it will do for you. We spend a lot of time on those effects, like all right, it's great because it does X or Y. And we don't spend as much time on it's great. This is why it produces those things. Here's how we think about it, how we've built it so that it produces those effects. So not only do we not do that, we don't do it in a way that really helps people understand the difference between that approach and our competitors in the marketplace. So I think that's, those are kind of two of the big things that come up to the top. We tend to speak only in the language of experts and then we skip straight to our products as the solution rather than really make the case for the solution from the client or customer's point of view. Very interesting. And I I mean, I feel the same way, especially when writing about B2B marketing and sales and all that, there's so much jargon out there and not everybody's used to it. Everybody has their own lingo at their own companies and things like that. So how can B2B organizations better cater to their audiences with that storytelling kind of mindset? 
Well, the first thing to understand, and it really is about that phrase I mentioned earlier, which is how do you build the stories that your clients and customers will tell themselves about you? And that really means starting with where they would start. So back to the to your last question, you know, what's behind the reason why we end up kind of building our case and not our clients is that, well, we know it best and we start there. And so we're like, Here, we know it's great. So let's just explain to you why we think it's great where your audience actually needs to start where they are. They don't know that it's great yet. And they, by and large, are just going to take your word for it. So the place that you need to start that conversation and really start that message is what is your audience? What's your, what are your clients and customers? What are they asking right now? And what's a question that they want an answer to but don't yet have that your product or service is an answer to? But Going back to that question is really important because it does several things for you. One is that it immediately tends to put your thinking into the lens of the customer. Rather than saying, hey, let me show you why our product is great, you're saying, well, the question they're asking right now is, how can we reduce the risk of our business decision making? Let me use that as an example. That's a question they're asking. They may not be asking for a specific solution, but they are asking for, how can we do this thing right now? So the thing I often tell my clients and customers is, you may not like this question. This question may not sound sexy or differentiating to you, but it's really interesting to your audience because they don't have an answer to it yet. So by starting there, that's a great point. So the first thing is it puts it into the language of your audience. It tends to take it out of your jargon. So that's one of the ways to avoid that. The second thing that it does for you right out of the gate by starting with a question that they are asking is that it helps for those familiar with a challenger sales approach to challenger methodology to sales, it helps to establish your client or customer's current status quo. Because given the nature of their awareness about the problem or solution, you know, the problem and the solution that you solve and that, that you offer, given their readiness to move, they're going to ask different kinds of questions. So for instance, you know, somebody who's really just open-ended and maybe doesn't know a lot about the problem as you see it or the solution that you offer as a result could be asking a big open-ended question like, how do we reduce the risk of business decision-making? Or if they're asking a question like, how can I make sure that I am getting the best return on our investment in big data? Okay, now they're still asking probably a question about related to risk, but their question is a little bit closer potentially to whatever, like let's say you've got a product or a service that helps supplement the insights from big data. Now they're a little bit closer. And so being able to just anchor your message in a question that your audience is asking right now, right? And maybe the quote unquote wrong question in your mind, but it's the right one to them because they don't have the answer yet, helps you immediately anchor that question. Again, not only in your audience's language, but it helps tell you what their current status quo is and it can help you make sure that you're tailoring that message appropriately. The reason why that's so important is kind of the third thing why starting with your audience's question is so important. I call it the goal. It's the audience's goal. But the third thing that it does is it makes sure that you find this magic middle of curiosity about your product or service. And there's this thing that happens in messaging where we tend to want to focus on what's different about our product right out of the gate. And a lot of times that leads to messaging that's like, hey, do you want this thing that you've never heard of? And the kind of scientific answer is that by and large humans will say no, because curiosity is a curve. If we don't feel like we know a lot about something or anything about something, if somebody asks a question about it, we're actually negatively curious in the answer. 
same thing is actually true on the opposite end. If we think like we already know a lot about something, then we are going to be negatively curious in the answer. So it's kind of one of those, if you start with a question that's too basic for your client, they're going to be like, I already know the answer to that question. Don't talk to me. If you start with something that's so disconnected from what they're thinking about right now, they don't think it's relevant to them. They're not going to be interested. And so by really anchoring it on their question, not the question you wish they were asking, but the question they're actually asking, you find this magic middle where they know enough about it to know they want the answer, but they don't know so much about it that they think the answer, they know the answer already. That is where they're going to lean in and they're going to drive the conversations. They're going to drive where the conversation goes next because they're going to be led by their own curiosity. And that's one of the most powerful forces in the messaging universe. Yeah, that's awesome. It sounds like that's the sweet spot right there. That's great. Very interesting. Now, let's talk about the book because it's so exciting. It's launching, I believe, May 17th. And I think there's some awesome, awesome. So it's called Find Your Red Thread. Obviously, we're talking about the red thread here. And that's been a key component of your talks and, and all of your work. So tell me what brought this to life? What inspired you to really translate your insights into a piece of literature that will hopefully benefit many, many marketing and sales teams and and organizations as a whole? Well, a lot of it came from the fact that I'm a solo practice. Like it's, if you hire me, you hire me, that's it. And I believe to my core that this is an approach that can help many more people that I can serve one-on-one. And so the motivation and the emphasis of the book was to be able to give people a DIY approach to finding their red thread, to if you agree with this approach that the best way to make an idea irresistible is to build the stories that people will tell themselves about it, I wanted to give people really the experience in book form of what it's like to work with me one-on-one. And so it's all the things that I do with my clients. It's the same process that I use with them, walking them through, helping, you know, starting with figuring out like, who are we actually talking to? What's the outcome that we're looking for? So we'll know if this message is successful. Where are we using it first? And then using that information to find that first piece of the red thread, that goal, that question that we were just talking about. And then walking through like chapter by chapter, I walk you through how do you find the rest of the pieces of the red thread? How do you combine them into what I call a storyline, which is the equivalent of an elevator pitch. And then critically, and I think this is the the thing that a lot of people are looking for when they come to talking about their ideas, how can you boil all that down into one sentence that hits that magic middle of curiosity that when they hear it, when they hear the description of what you do, they immediately sense that it will give them something that they want and hear how it will do that in a way they don't expect. So the book is really, I really wanted to say like, here it is, here's my brain, (laughs) here's my brain in a book. And I wrote it so it felt like you kind of had me in your pocket, kind of like, oh, let's let's figure out our messaging today. How would Tamsin help us through this? And that's what the book is meant to do. Awesome. So it's like basically having Tamsin Webster on speed dial in your pocket whenever you want. That's right. I love it. That's right. You got it. (laughs) And now a word from our sponsor. Getting people excited for an online event is challenging. At DemandGen Report, we knew we had to make our B2BMX virtual experience irresistible. That's why we partnered with PFL to tell a new kind of brand story. We use PFL's tactile marketing automation software to send more than 1,200 personalized packages featuring our event's theme. 
and we saw an outstanding 70% attendance rate. Our attendees raved about the kits, sharing pictures online and spreading our story. Remarkable brand experiences start with PFL. I imagine it's generating a big idea on its own is difficult enough. And then kind of getting up in front of the board or in front of your boss and presenting it, it could really increase anxiety surrounding the presentation. And I know people kind of are familiar with that phrase, picture them in your underwear or something like that. But what are some unique and modern ways for people to really deliver their big ideas to people that they really want the buy-in from? Right. Well, the first, the picture in their underwear, I think is one of the worst pieces of presentation device that I could I could ever come across because of this. Like, it's a kind of a classic phrase that in order to be convincing, you have to be convinced. And when you're picturing the audience in the underwear, like this is not a position of, this is not how you would normally have a conversation with people. So what I have found to be much more successful is that if you yourself are convinced right, that how you are talking about this, your product or service is going to be effective because it's tuned to your audience, it's tuned to what they care about, it's framed from the perspective of what they already want and what they already believe. If you know that you've done your work on that front first, you're going to have that connection to the audience that's going to carry forward your passion, your belief in it. So the quick way of saying that is that it doesn't, you know, as much as we notice delivery of a message, what it really comes down to is how comfortable and connected you are to what you're saying. And the approach that I have in the Red Thread is really designed to do that. It's really designed so that you never have to start with a blank page or a blank slide deck you know it gives you a framework to start right off the bat with saying, who am I talking to? What question are they asking that I am presenting an answer to? Great, okay, well, how can I frame this in a way that they understand it as a different approach than what they've seen before? How can I root it in something that they would agree is true? And then how can I make sure that those things together combine to say, ah, yes, this idea makes perfect sense. When you've really done that work ahead of time, when you've essentially built the case for your idea, it makes it so much easier to go in and talk to people about it because you know it's for them, but it's also the way that you talk about it is built for them. And you had asked about big mistakes that I see in B2B marketing and messaging earlier. And I think that that's kind of one of the biggest things that I see happen too, is that when you go in and you are thinking to yourself, okay, how do, I, how do I get this across to people? A lot of times we really come at it from the perspective of, okay, what do I want to say? And the second thing is, I'm trying to get them to think or do something different. So therefore I have to get them to want or believe something different. And that just isn't how human brains work, that we are much, much, much more likely to do a new behavior that feels rooted in something that we already believe and that delivers on something that we already want. So I find that over and over again, that when I'm working with clients on this and whether that, that whether that's for sales conversations, sales messaging, whether it's larger B2B content platforms, those kinds of things, that that's really a big shift to start to think about how can we anchor this in what people already want and what they already believe? But again, once you've done that work ahead of time, when you go in and talk to someone and you present them, you're like, I know this is the right answer for you because it gives you something that you want and it's consistent with what you believe. 
And it's doing it in a way that whatever you're trying now isn't working as well. And I can tell you exactly why. Like that just really is a source of incredible confidence in your message that always comes through to your clients and customers. I love it. And it's really interesting to me because it's not always one person presenting this big idea. You might have a, a larger team presenting it or various people speaking to someone about one specific thing. So, and I know cross organizational alignment is still a little bit of a challenge, especially now we're all working remotely. Is there any advice that you could give in terms of aligning on the messaging with, with other people? Maybe some don't necessarily believe in it as much as you do. Is there any advice that you could give? Well, my advice, what works very well, and it's something that, uh, this is a problem that when I spent time in uh, both B2B organizations and working in agencies that work with B2B organizations, I saw this problem all the time. And so when I set out to create an approach to messaging, this is one of the things that I wanted to solve. I wanted to solve that perpetual gap between sales and marketing, for instance. And I was like, what can do that? And what I found over and over again was that what doesn't work, if we're talking about sales and marketing, for instance, is that sales goes off and does its own thing and marketing comes up with its thing and then presents it to sales and says, okay, now you're going to use this. Like that just full stop does not work. And there's good reasons for that. It's good reasons why people try to do that, but there's also good reasons why it doesn't work. But that's why when I'm working with clients on this, the thing that I do is that I have all interested parties, at least the leadership of all interested parties work on this message together. So usually what we're doing is that usually we've got the product head or the technical lead, somebody who's got a real deep understanding of the nature of the product so to make sure that we're not or a service so that we're not misrepresenting what it does or what it can do. And we've got somebody representing sales so that they understand, like they can represent what is and isn't going to work when you're actually talking to customers. And we have make sure that there's somebody from the marketing perspective on the team so that we can make sure that it's consistent with the overall image, the overall brand that the company is trying to put out into the world. And what's fascinating is that the process that I put in place is very much a question and answer, not, not a quiz thing, but it's the work that we're doing is kind of a, is a constant, I ask a question, I get their answer, I hear what they say back and I say, okay, so this is what is this, is this accurate? Is that right? And then someone will be, well, no, quite. It's not quite this. It's like this. And we keep doing that until we find the answer that people agree on and the one that resonates for everyone. And the result is you get the core of this message or you get what I call the storyline, that elevator pitch, that summary of the case for an idea that everybody has contributed to and that everybody feels bought into. And once you've got that, because it's the core and because everybody understood where those concepts came from, you're much more likely that those individual partners and individual teams now will go off and keep that as the core, but customize it. So the result is you get this really cohesive and compelling message that can be customized to the individual needs of marketing and their day-to-day -day content development, for instance, or to your sales team and those very long sales cycles that we're talking about in B2B. They have a real clear understanding of what the core is. And then once you've got the core, you can understand how to customize from there. Interesting. So once you have that core, I guess it's also that foundation to like revise and edit and, and update things as you go, right? Because I, I can imagine like a big idea is like a big idea at, at one point. And then over time, you know, things happen, pandemic happens, and everybody's kind of scrambling to st almost start all over again. So you kind of need that core foundation to really build off of like, as you need, right? Yeah, I think it's, 
Once everybody understands the nature of the story, everybody can tell it their own way. So think of, for instance, take some, say, take like a classic story, like something like the tortoise and the hare. Nobody remembers exactly the right words as you first heard them, right? Nobody remembers like after the once upon a time and slow and steady wins the day. We don't remember the specifics of the content, but we remember the core ideas in it. And that's really analogous to the situation. When you have a group of people come up with the core story, essentially, okay, these are the elements and they happen in this order, then everybody can go away and tell the same story. Like you can get the same point across, but the words might be a little bit different. The, the approach might be a little different, but the same basic concept, the same core concepts, the same moral to the story comes through. And so, and it comes from having that involvement and buy-in at the very, very beginning. I mean, so yeah, there's times when I will work with an organization, we'll create that core story. And then what we'll do is we'll work and start to roll that out with teams. So like the leadership starts and crafts that core story. And then once what we start to do is we start working with teams, let's say in the sales teams, and can do a series of workshops with them where we say, okay, here's the core. Now, given that this is the core, how would you adapt that? How would you tell that story in this particular situation? And what that allows particularly sales folks to do is to realize that A, they're not being given a script because that those often don't work because it's really can be very uncomfortable for them. And B, the marketing folks can be like, okay, I feel confident like that, that we're still getting the main message out there. And so you really do find a different kind of magic middle here where you get that consistency of message and yet the flexibility in a message to make sure that it can work the way it needs to. And that can only happen if the core of the message is strong. And so that's why I spend so much time, like why the core of this approach is about the structure of the message and using the core structure of how our brains understand information as the basis of that structure. There is no stronger structure. It, gets this, it is how we understand information. So if we can use that as the core of any message that a company develops, then you are always going to be able to customize it and you're always going to get that consistent result. Awesome. I imagine that big ideas happen and and everybody's on board and everybody is ready to take it to the next level. But then there are some that kind of are starting to, they get discouraged, you know, because they haven't found their big idea yet. And they're starting to kind of almost give up and, and just forget about it. So what advice would you give? What steps can companies or individuals take to, I don't know, to fix, it's almost like writer's block in a sense, right? To not really fuel up that that big idea. What advice would you give to people who are really discouraged in all of this? Well, I think that that discouragement can come from the belief that an idea is found and not built, right? I think a lot of times that discouragement can come because we're expecting to be hit by that bolt of lightning or to have the apple drop from the tree, you know, for that like famed eureka moment. But while that moment is real, it doesn't happen in a vacuum. What is actually happening is that that moment that it happens, the moment that we have that realization of like, ah, this is the right idea, is actually the moment that all the pieces of the story that our brain is looking for fall into place. So this is good news if you feel like you haven't found the idea yet, because all it means you have to do is go back and make sure that you have all the pieces. Because once you have all the pieces, they are going to build up and turn into the idea. So the best place to start is what we already talked about. Like, what is a question that the people that you serve, your clients, your customers, whatever, what is a question that they are currently asking that maybe you're just even curious about why there isn't an answer yet? 
And then if we're following the path of the red thread, the next thing you'd be figuring out is, well, what's the real problem that's getting in the way? They know they have the problem of reducing risk of business decision-making, for instance, but what's really getting in the way of that? And it's not necessarily what they're doing, it's how they're seeing, or it's kind of where they're focused right now. So for instance, you know, this example that I'm using is from one of my TED speakers, but the example is useful. We can say, for instance, that people are focused, maybe they're trying to solve this problem with big data, they're using big data reduced risk, but the challenge is that you, you realize, well, huh, big data, that's important, it's good, but you know, there's something there. There's, big data does create more knowledge, but at the same time, it also creates more unknowns. And so you might go, huh, but why is that a problem? And this leads us to the next step of the red thread. You say, well, that's a problem because the biggest risk always comes from the unknown. It's what we don't know that's gonna hurt us, right? And so if that's the case, then what we need to do is, you're like, huh, then if I wanna reduce the risk in business decision-making and big data is creating more unknowns and that's where the biggest risk is, then I need to do something. I need to find an idea. I need to find a way to reduce the unknowns that big data produces and how do I do that? And so in the case of my client, Trisha Wong, she said, well, at least right now, the only way to reduce those unknowns is with human insights to look at things in a way that computers simply can't. So her recommendation, the big idea that she came up with was that it's, it's not, we don't need to be thinking just about big data, we need to be thinking about thick, what she calls thick data, the data that comes from those human insights. So by deconstructing, like if, you, if a message isn't working, you can figure out why it's not by deconstructing it and saying, does it have all the pieces? Are they there? Are they in the right order? If you're looking for an idea, find the pieces and put them in the right order. And then nine times out of 10, actually, I've never seen it not work to get somebody to go, oh, I need to do something that does this. I mean, they may not figure out what that thing is yet, but now they know where to start looking. And that can be incredibly powerful for both individuals and organizations. I love that. Well, Tamsin, that is all the questions I have for you today. I'm so excited about the new book. It's launching on May 17th. And I believe pre-orders start around May 4th, right? Yes, if not earlier, but definitely by May 4th. Awesome. Awesome. We'll be sure to link the access to the book or the pre-order in our show notes. But yeah, final question for you. What's next for you? What do you have on your plate for the rest of the year? Uh, plate for the rest of the year is to build on the book and turn the Red Thread approach actually to finish building out an accreditation program so I can certify internal teams. And it really is designed in a lot of ways for B2B companies so that you can create this skill of building these your customers' cases for your idea as an internal process. So I'm going to be building that out and launching that in fourth quarter. So that's the next thing on my plate after I get this book out. <laughs> awesome. Well, good luck with everything, Tamsin. Thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us today and tell us more about your new book. I'm, again, so excited to check it out. I love hearing you speak, and you've been a great presenter at our B2B Marketing Exchange for a couple years now. So thanks again for your time. It's always a pleasure. Oh, super. Thanks so much. Appreciate it. Thanks. And everyone, thank you so much for joining us today on this episode of the B2B MX podcast. If you like what you hear, make sure you subscribe. We're available on all podcast channels, whether it's Spotify, Apple Music, et cetera, et cetera. And then of course, uh, check us out on Twitter and LinkedIn. Let me know how I'm doing. If you have any suggestions on who else you want to hear on the B2B MX podcast, just please drop me a line and let me know. And for now, I'll just say take care and be well. Thanks, everyone.